Before we get started, I'm going to read our, our text for today from Luke chapter 11. Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the people marveled. But some said he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. And while others to test him kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And a divided household falls. And if Satan is also divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. But if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor, which is trusted in, and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Well, good morning, friends. It's good to see a full house, get to see a lot of people I haven't seen in a while. It's great that people are coming back into the church, um, but I also want to say hi to my, my friends in Africa and my friends in England and St. Louis and far strange places like West Virginia that are, sorry, Kim and, and, and Trish, you know, um, just keep that squirrel running over there to keep the power up, okay? <laughs> She's going to be really mad at me, and uh, anyways, um, you know, I was thinking God is a uniter or a, a gatherer of his children. But according to our text today, there there is an enemy that is dividing us. And today in our world, there is evidence everywhere. You know, we have an extremely divided political system in our country that makes enemies of fellow Americans who just simply think a little different. You know, there's a major conflict going on in the Ukraine and in Russia that continues to heat things up and create more and more fear around the world and, and, and starting to bring other nations into the conflict. You know, over the past two years of the pandemic, we've seen extreme polarization about the effectiveness of masks and vaccines and the rights of individuals. And because of that, we've seen fights, actually violence break out between people in stores and in schools and in community meetings. And, and even in our churches, many saw great division because of those issues. I'm so grateful that we've had really good unity here by God's grace, and we've been able to show each other love through a lot of trying times. But I'm sure that there are some who did not like our policies because either they were too loose or they were too strict, and they, from their perspective, thought we were doing the wrong thing, and they have separated from us. You know, in the, the last couple of years, we have witnessed more tension in this world between people of just different skin colors or, or different sexual attractions where they're warring against each other. And many of our families have become divided. At, at holiday dinners, people are getting in fights on their views on race or politics or masks or vaccines or sexuality. You know, many marriages over this last year have been in crisis just dealing with the stress we've all been under. See, our, our enemy has been very busy. He's been sowing division and fear in us all very, very intensely over the last few years. And I think we all can 
feel or, or, or see his effects. But, but many of us don't identify him as the true enemy. Instead, he's often deceived us and made us look at each other and our neighbors, our fellow Americans, as the enemy. You know, my message today is the ordinary demonic of division. And I use the word ordinary because it's ordinary for the demonic to affect our everyday lives. The problem is most people believe that the demonic has to be extraordinary. Like we see in Hollywood, you know, heads spinning around and cursing and people spitting up pea green soup. But see, that's part of the enemy's tactic to deceive us, to make the demonic seem only extraordinary. When friends, it's very ordinary. You know, we as a people easily see evil and extreme situations like what's going on with Putin in the Ukraine. That's extraordinary and it's obvious. But we miss and overlook when the demonic happens in our grandma and in us and in our kids. See, that's the ordinary strategy of the devil to hit us in relationships. When, when the Bible talks about spiritual warfare, it's right after husbands and wives and kids and family relationship and co-workers relationships. And then he goes right into spiritual warfare. Why is that? Because the, the demonic hits us in relationships. Now, some people say that demons are just an ancient way people explained mental illness or sickness or things that they didn't understand. You know, the author C.S. Lewis famously said, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devil. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, the demons, are equally pleased by both of our errors. And they hail the materialist and the magician with the same delight. You know, there are some religious people who want to blame the devil for every problem they have and and not deal with their own responsibility for their own bad behavior. But today, I really think that most people go the other extreme. They, they disbelieve that there are demons, and they, they, they disbelieve the effect that those demons have on the average Joe, especially those Joes in the church. But you know, a lot of churches have a lot of division in them, don't they? And many denominations divide over very stupid Non-essential things. Things that have more to do with man's methods or ideas of governance and, and practice and, and style or, or cultural differences. And, and, and instead, they ignore the essential doctrines of God, which is ultimately that we are to gather. That we are to be together as his people in love. Yes, there is truth. And so there are essentials that we must agree on. And and sometimes if those essentials are not there, there's a reason for dividing. But so much of the conflict we see is really over non-essentials, non-gospel things. You know, this new buzzword has been created. I've heard it recently quite a bit, church hurt. You know, and and, and that's a serious thing because it can damage or 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 even sometimes destroy people who are coming to faith and 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 it makes us when people get hurt 
combat ineffective for Jesus' mission. But it also becomes an excuse for people not forgiving and just leaving instead of practicing Jesus' principles of forgiveness and that we are to gather together. You know, as a pastor, I have probably experienced over the last 25 years more church hurt than most. And, you know, I also, I'm sure, have created some. But I'm still here. See, leaving doesn't solve anything when you're hurt. Forgiving and, and receiving forgiveness does. You know, at times we're all going to be hurt by each other because we're all sinners. But God's word says that love never ends. We can't be done with people. We always need to love them. You don't have to like them. I'm not always likable and neither are you. But God's word would say we are to love one another. You know, and even in the church, we often miss this ordinary tactic of Satan to divide us. He's deceiving us about things. He's creating fear. He's playing on our insecurities to divide and conquer us. And it's a very old and effective and ordinary strategy. Satan and his minions use very ordinary ways to defeat us, like stealing our joy and making us combat effective, ineffective. So today, let's wake up a little in God's word so that we will not fall prey to his rather ordinary ways that he tempts us. Jesus said to his disciples, stay awake and pray that you do not fall into temptation. So if, if you have a Bible, open that or open your Crosswinds app and there is a Bible and a, and a place to take notes and even the program so you can remember your notes in the future. Now, it says in verse 14, Jesus was casting out a demon that was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the people marveled. Now, who's the he in this sentence? It's an easy one. You can all yell it out. Jesus. Jesus. Okay. You guys with me. Now, if you call yourself a Christian and you don't believe in the demonic in your everyday life, you might consider that Jesus did. You don't cast out something that's not there. Also, Jesus would be lying if he gave the impression that he did. And they didn't really exist. See, Jesus claimed to be God and God does not lie. And he has no reason to lie. And if Jesus' words about demons are not true, then Jesus is a liar, and he's not God. Not a God we should worship. It would, it would make him demonic, or at least a lunatic, for believing in something that's really not there. Now, the text says he was casting out a mute demon, which means it was unable to speak, and, and possibly deaf, according to the Greek words used. You know, because the demon was mute, the man was also mute. Kind of like ventriloquism in reverse. God's natural design for all of us is to praise him. But the demon was stopping him from praising God. You know, that seems pretty ordinary to me. The, the natural state of a believer is to praise his God and give witness to him and his wonders. 
There must be a lot of mute demons today demonizing our churches. It, it, it seems like there's the hardest things for a lot of folks to do in churches is to come together and pray and, 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 and to share their faith with others. Ask yourself, are you afraid to pray with others? Are you afraid to speak about God and, and have gospel conversations with friends? Maybe you're demonized. Fear is an enemy tactic, isn't it? It is the main tactic of our enemy. What makes you so afraid of such a simple thing is to pray and speak with other people about the one who forgave you and gave you eternal life. See, fear is of the devil and faith is of God. That sounds like something demonic is going on in our churches. Well, you say, I'm not afraid. I'm just really, really busy. Well, the the contemporary preacher Charles Stanley is famous for saying, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. See, distraction is a great weapon that our enemy uses to trip us up. You know, part of his deception is using shiny things like success and material things and family obligations and entertainment to lure us away from the best thing, which is God. See, Satan likes to put us on a treadmill like a rat chasing cheese instead of enjoying the abundant life that God has for us. And, And that's something that happens to every one of us because it's so ordinary. And instead of seeing it as an attack, we see it as just normal life, don't we? If you talk to most people today, you say, in our country, and you say, how's it going? They won't tell you how they are. They'll just say, we're busy. We're just, we're just so busy, so busy, busy, busy. That's what, what people say. You know the number one disease that is killing most Americans right now? No, it's not COVID-19. It's emotional stress. That's, and, the, you know, it's a major contributing factor to the six leading causes of death in our country. That includes cancer, coronary heart disease, accidental injuries, respiratory disorders, cirrhosis of the liver, and suicide. This busyness is killing us. It comes from our enemy. Jesus said, I, I came to give you peace. What did he say? My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. And those words are connected to him giving us his Holy Spirit to live within us. Then believers, why are you afraid to pray with others and speak with others about him? What has divided your loyalties? God's word says when we pray together and when we speak of him, that's when actually his peace comes to us. See what the apostle Paul says. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, this is the promise, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It sounds like to me from those verses that there's joy and peace when we reasonably share our hope with others and we pray with others. There must be a lot of ordinary demonic oppression going on that we don't do the reasonable thing 
and instead say anxious and silent and alone. You know, our enemy is a prowling lion seeking to pounce on the weak, lone animal. Believer, the demonic can't possess us, but surely he is oppressing us by keeping his church silent, by keeping his people fearful, and by keeping them too busy. Beloved, we don't believe that Satan can take away our salvation according to Romans 8. But surely you can let him steal your joy, your peace, and your good health. All the things that make our lives good. So beloved, are you singing in church? Are are you regularly praying with other believers? Are, Are you regularly having fellowship with other believers? Are you regularly having gospel conversations? Or is your own insecurities or your busyness why you're not? Could you be demonically oppressed? And, and are being simply prevented from what you want to do? Or is it rebellion, which is greater than oppression? It's your willful choice not to obey God. That, that could actually be unbelief. Maybe you don't really believe God has your best interest at heart. So you obey something else, which is demonic. It is ordinary for believers to feel a conflict inside. We all do. I I want you to see something important in Romans chapter 7. I call this the doo-doo passage. Because Paul is wrestling with his doo-doo or his sin. And remarkably, he says this. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I want you to notice the distinction Paul makes with sin and himself. Sin is not his identity. It is something that lives in him. That sounds like ordinary demonic influence, doesn't it? If it's not him, it's something living in him. And friends, this is one of our enemy's ordinary tactics, making us believe our sin is who we are, making us believe our sin is our identity. And if it is our identity then nothing can or should be done about it. This is just the way we are. So I'm willing to do it even though I'm miserable in it because I just don't have a choice. That's a lie the enemy tells us. He tells us our sin is who we are. I'm a fearful person. I'm a depressed person. I'm a disorganized person. I'm a sexually lustful person. I'm an angry person. Those are identities that we take on. But those, if there's sin there, that, that, that's not who we are. It's sin living in us. Now, if you believe all that more than when you believe God says about you, then you're demonized. If you've taken on another identity other than what God has given you. Your, your loyalties are, are divided by God and Satan. And, and spiritually, you're, you're walking a fence. And it's going to be painful when the demonic pulls harder and throws you off your balance, that dangerous balancing act you are on, and you fall. Think about walking a fence. What happens when you fall? It's, we need to 
believe in the truth of his words about you and keep walking in those so that we avoid emotional pain and stress. I want you to notice how the crowd marveled when Jesus cast this mute demon out. The the undemonized man now was completely different. He was hearing, he was speaking, he, 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 he was now able to make better relationships with man and God. Everything, I'm sure, was more enjoyable. And the crowd is marveling. But that's not necessarily worshiping. Often we are deceived to believe, though marveling is. See, you can marvel of the things of God without actually worshiping him. Worship is fundamentally obeying God and his word. There there are many that seem to marvel with their hands in their air during their worship, but they never put their hands in their wallets to give an offering. They may get all praise pimply in a great worship experience, but they never read his word or spend time with him in his word as he instructs us to do. They're amazed at all the interesting facts and doctrines in his word, but they never obey his call to be merciful and gather with others in fellowship and gather other people into that fellowship. They they marvel at the blessing he gives them, but they never risk truly being good to others by sharing him with them. James says, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe that. And they shudder. Believing in God is not true worship. Believing God is. Now some said he cast out demons by Beelzebub, or Beelzebub, the prince of demons, while others to test him kept seeking him for a sign from heaven. You know, he's talking to some very religious people, the Pharisees, who witnessed this wonder of God, but they did not worship God. They made excuses for worshiping God. They, they said that Jesus had a demon. See, another ordinary weapon of our enemy is accusation. And often religious people do not obey God, but they spend their time accusing one another and not obeying. Beelzebul is a name for Satan. It means the house of Baal, a uh, a pagan god. And often the Jewish people were tempted to follow Baal for a material gain and they forgot the true God. This name can also mean the Lord of the Flies or the King of the Dunghill. They, they, they are saying more than Jesus just has a demon. They are saying he's under the power or the house of Satan himself, the prince of demons, the chief of all demons. See, most of the time we're not dealing with the king of the dunghill, directly. Satan is a created being. He's not omniscient. He's not all-powerful. Satan is not omnipresent. He can't be everything at once, be everywhere at once, like God can. The Bible tells us he goes to and fro throughout the earth. But God is everywhere, and he is with us always, and he's all-powerful. No matter where we are, he, he can touch us. Another ordinary tactic of the demonic is to inflate Satan's power to be as great as God. He's not. Satan only has legions of demons around the world to do his bidding. He's not everywhere. And his power can be thwarted by simply a word 
the word of God spoken in faith. And Jesus defeated the devil directly. He didn't use any supernatural techniques. He used simply the word of God. The conflict between God and Satan is not by two equal combatants. It's not yin and yang, these two equal forces dueling things out. Jesus has all authority on heaven and earth, and Satan is simply the Lord of flies being a pest, being the king of the dunghill. Now, there are two groups of Pharisees here. They're also both trying to be the king of the dunghill because they're judging one another and they're judging Jesus. One group boldly calls him the devil and the other group is seeking more proof of who he is. Now, you may think it's more palatable to ask for a sign than to call Jesus a devil, but Jesus sees evil in both because mere men are judging God. The first group judges God as evil. The other group judges God and his work as insufficient. And so they're always seeking more proof that he is good. And and those two groups, you know what they are? They're divided against each other. As brothers, they are dividing with each other, judging Jesus and, and judging one another. And it says, he knows their thoughts. And he said to him, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And a divided household falls. See, the proof of Jesus being God, he knows our thoughts. Something you need to know in battling the demonic is they don't know your thoughts. They're not omniscient. They're not all-powerful. They're not everywhere. They don't know your thoughts. But demons are experts at reading us so they can manipulate us. But they are not privy to our inner thought life. This is why our prayers said in faith, are so effective against them. See, a demon, if we try to conflict them and argue with them, can can deceive the strongest of us if, if we do that. But if we will simply unite with Christ in prayers of faith through the word of God, we'll see victory over them. The Bible says, little children, you are from God. And, and you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The devil's in the world, but he who is in you is greater. Jesus says a divided kingdom is laid waste. That word waste means to be stripped of all treasure. Now Jesus knows our inner thoughts and our motivations. And, and, and he can see, you know, God was speaking to me, how conflicted we all are inside. He can see how conflicted the crowd's hearts were. And how conflicted our hearts can be. But victory is simple faith in his love for us through the gospel. But see, if our insecurities about God's love for us divide us internally, which they often do, that's an ordinary demonic strategy. See, the problem is we often want to divide our loyalties between the values of this world and God. In our mind, we, we seek to live in a kingdom of gray. Somewhere we can be divided in our insecurities and uncertain about God's goodness and love for us. But friends, there is no kingdom of gray. There's a kingdom of light and there's a kingdom of darkness. 
And living in a divided kingdom of gray leaves you actually demonically deceived. Your, your loyalties are divided. And actually, you're really in the kingdom of darkness then. Not the kingdom of light. See, God's kingdom has no division. God lives in perfect unity in the spirit, in the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Perfect unity. They have distinct roles, but they share the same unity of purpose. Living under demonic rule creates chaos and fear, and division is the standard. And and so Jesus asks them a a very important question. If, If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? See, there's an inherent problem with Satan's kingdom, and it's its disunity of purpose. You know, families, churches, corporations, and nations that divide against each other will ultimately fail, no matter how powerful they are or they seem to be. Now, there's a difference between disagreement and disunity. As believers, we can disagree with one another. But disunity is something different. Disunity is demonizing the other side of the disagreement. And friends, that is an ordinary demonic strategy we've been seeing played out where we demonize fellow Americans and family members and church members. You know, the demon wants you to demonize someone else so that you will separate from them. The, the biblical reality in any side of the conflict is both sides are evil if they're human. And only God is good. And we both need to unify to him. But often we're like the Pharisees who tend to unite with others that are evil to say that they are good and demonize the other side. Jesus says this kind of thinking is demonic thinking and it will ultimately fail because we have placed our trust in our tribes and in our own flawed goodness instead of what is truly good. So instead of uniting with God, which is truly God, we, we align with evil to destroy what we judge to be evil. And Jesus says that that divide and conquer strategy will ultimately fail us all. Because it is Satan's strategy, which is doomed to fail. See, Jesus came to unite us all into a kingdom of love, didn't he? By his gospel. And, and Jesus lets the wheat and the tares live together Undivided in this world, it's kingdom. His word kind of says to rip out the tares would damage the wheat. When we falsely judge and seek to weed out people and separate evil people from good people, placing them into different categories, we're blind judges doing damage. The Bible says we're all bad. And it's only uniting with Jesus in faith that we are made good. If we claim we are better than someone else, then we're really in the kingdom of darkness, creating evil divisions that don't really exist. Now, if we're in the kingdom of light, where everyone is made good by being united, we're united by his sacrifice for us. That's how we know we're in the kingdom of light. If we're, we are a gatherer, a uniter. 
For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. You know, notice how Jesus starts out with, for you say? See, these Pharisees are not interested in what God has said. This, this idea of being superior and able to make divine judgments about somebody else is their idea, not God's. Jesus asks a great question here. If he's the one casting out demons by Satan, then who do their sons cast them out by? They have put themselves in the position of God. They're, they're accusing Jesus of being the devil. Now, if God is a uniter, who's really in the kingdom of light? The ones that are dividing or Jesus? Jesus is saying, you're the ones making accusations to divide us, which is our enemy's tactic. And, and by their accusations and judgments, they put themselves actually under judgment of demonic judges. Under When we, we fear people more than God, we are putting ourselves under demonic judges. God doesn't judge us that way. Every time we point the finger of judgment at one another, we have three coming back at us, don't we? And then Jesus says, if it is by the finger of God that I cast out a demon, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus did not come casting the finger of judgment at anyone. Read his word. He came to take away judgment from us by receiving God's judgment on himself in order to unite us, to bring us into his united kingdom, into unity and love with God. But 1 John says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. See, their own accusations and divisions reveal that they are the ones demonized, not him. Jesus, without judging anyone, casts out a mute demon that the people marvel over because they believe that that was impossible. See, their own sons, their own exorcists thought someone who could not speak the word of God could not be healed. They put the burden of man's healing on his own performance, which is what all Pharisees do. Only Jesus can do the impossible of casting out a mute demon. And he did it by the power of the finger of God. And if that is true, the kingdom of light is truly in their presence. And beloved, it only takes the finger of God to destroy the power of a mute demon. But in love, Jesus, the son of God, is going to give his whole body, which will destroy the power of the devil himself to harm us. His his power to sentence us to death for all eternity. He's going to destroy that. He's going to give his whole body to do that. Verse 21, he says, when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him, he overcomes him and he, he takes away his armor, which is trusted, and he divides his spoil. See, Jesus is our strong man who is fully armed, who can protect us. 
But see, we often try to arm ourselves in our own armor, the false judgment of others. And, and no matter how holy we think we are, we will be plundered by a stronger man, Satan, whose kingdom we have aligned with, with this demonic thinking. Jesus says we can't battle Satan from our own kingdom. From the kingdom of gray, we can't battle Satan in our own power. We must surrender ourselves and be united with him to the true strong man and, and, and come under his protection. If our armor in life is judging others and, and separating ourselves from others, we will be divided and conquered by our enemy. But if our armor instead is trusting in the mercy and the love of God through his son, Jesus Christ, and being entered into the kingdom of light, we will be protected. See, Jesus states to us with clarity that there's no kingdom of gray, that there is no middle ground. Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. Whoever is a universal promise. Beloved, it doesn't matter how much you're in church or, or how much knowledge of scripture you have memorized or, or scripture you have or what you have memorized, how much good moral behavior you do in the eyes of the world. If you are not with him, you are against him. If you're, you're not united to his purpose, you are against him. What is Jesus's purpose? To gather us to gather all people and make us one in God's love. That's what he prayed for in his high, heat, high priestly prayer before he was crucified. He prayed this, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one in them and I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Jesus also gives us another promise. Whoever does not gather with him scatters. Gathering is to bring people together, right? In John, 1 John 4.20, in God's word, it says, If anyone says, I love God, and he hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love a God who he has not seen. Today, what kingdom are you serving right now? A kingdom of darkness and your leader is the father of lies that's telling you to steal, kill, and destroy others? You have enemies? Jesus is saying there's no kingdom of gray where you can hate and divide from your brothers and sisters by calling them demons and still follow him. In, in, in the kingdom of light, enemies are conquered with love. They're not destroyed. In love, Jesus destroyed his own body on the cross to forgive our sin. And then after burial, he walked out of the tomb alive three days later, proving that his love had conquered all enemies with his death. He destroyed the devil by the power of his love. He defeated that ancient lie that God does not love us and that God is not there for us. He defeated the enemy's lie. 
in Jesus, there is now no judgment or condemnation for your sin. Only peace with God. And, and how can we enter God's peace if we are at war with each other? Jesus said to his disciples, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. Jesus is, is saying your war with others must end. Jesus says, whoever does not gather with me is scattered. His disciples gather under one banner of love and forgiveness for all. If you're not gathered under that banner, what kingdom are you in? Unforgiveness is demonic. Unforgiveness and bitterness are the main doors of access for ordinary demonic oppression in your life. Jesus says, whoever tries to divide his kingdom will be scattered. That word scattered means to be completely routed like an army, completely defeated and destroyed by their enemy. Beloved, are you feeling scattered right now? If you divide against him and what he loves, his people, you're scattered. He says a divided kingdom will not stand. You've already lost the battle if you do not gather with him. But here's the good news. He did not come to divide from you or accuse you or condemn you. He came to freely love you. It's an ordinary thing for the enemy to try to enslave you, kill you by separating you from God and one another. That's ordinary. Today, repent. Turn from your bitterness. Turn from your resentments. Turn from your fear of others that divide you. Turn from your feelings of, of worthlessness that divide your own mind. And, and, and let his love heal your bitter hearts and, and, and teach you how to love others. He has and he will call you worthy. Believe in him. Friends, right now, do the extraordinary thing and forgive those who have hurt you. And conquer those ordinary demonics with his love. Let us pray. Would you all stand with me? Father God, I, I thank you and I praise you that you have loved us since before the foundations of this earth. And you have sought to restore us and redeem us and unite us back to you. And Father, we've all been beat up by this ordinary enemy that, that attacks us constantly, making us suspicious and hate one another. Right now, I pray that, Lord, if there's anybody coming to mind in anybody's heart that they're at war with, that in their heart, they would forgive them. That doesn't mean that they have to trust them means that they would just forgive just let that go let that be part of your justice not theirs lord let them be free today let them not have that window open to the demonic but let them fully open their hearts to your love lord jesus i know you're working in this place father this isn't easy for us so, Father, give us the power 
as we look at the mercy and love of Jesus who never did anything wrong to anybody and yet he died to show us love. Lord, if there's people here today that are not following him, may they turn today and follow him so they will not be scattered, so they will not be divided in their loyalties. Let them unite with Jesus so that they may unite with God and the Holy Spirit. Fill this place with your Holy Spirit, oh God. Father, take away the fear. Lord, take away the depression. Take away the self-harming. Lord, take away the habits that we all have that, that destroy us, that the enemy has forced us into through the emotional stress he puts us through. Oh, Lord God, let your Holy Spirit come. Fill this place and send out the power of Satan and his works, not by my might, not by my power, but by the Spirit of the living God, Jesus Christ. Father, let your power and authority rest upon this place and let your people have peace as they worship you. Here in your presence, there should be no fear. Here in your presence, there should be no doubt. Here in your presence, there should be no hatred for one another. Father, bring the unity of the bonds of peace to this place. And may we share that peace. May we leave that peace wherever we go. Oh God, do a mighty work in the people of Crosswinds and the the guests that are here today. Change us, oh God. Unite us to your kingdom of light. The world needs us. Send us, oh Lord. I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Today, if you've not put your faith in Jesus and you would like to step into that kingdom of light and pray with me, come confess your sins. Come turn from them. Believe on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. He will love you. He will make you worthy. Come as they sing.